couple of weeks ago, we had uh, David Bumble Lloyd on the programme, and um, he alluded to our next guest as the beast from the East, which is a bit harsh, but we thought we really should give right of reply. So we welcome to 98 and out Mr. Nasser Hussein. Nasser, what do you say to that? Well, I would go back at Bumble, but if it was two weeks ago, you probably won't remember what you said two weeks ago, <laughs> to be honest. So um, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to go down that tit for tat road. I'll just say that for the last 30 years or however long it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure knowing David Lloyd in all the roles that he's done as a commentator, umpire, coach, everything, mate. Um, that dodgy pub he took me in Manchester once where I couldn't even get a glass of water. Um, everything about Bumble. What you see with Bumble Lloyd is what you get. He's not one thing to you in front of a camera and one thing away from the scene. He's an absolute top guy. Has he been like that all the way through? Like even when he was, you know, um, head of selectors or the, or the England coach? Um... Yeah, he's never changed really. And that's why we all loved him. Even when he was, you know, we murdered him with Zimbabwe and walking around the second ground at Auckland when we bowled absolutely pants before lunch. Even then, um, sometimes we had to look after him more than he looked after us. But we absolutely loved him because he's not, you know, two-faced. He doesn't try and, as coach, put himself up forward as when we're winning, I'll do the press. When we're losing, you do the press, Skip. Invariably, what he used to do was the other way around, actually. When we were bad, he used to front up and make excuses for us. He used to give us a right rollicking in the dressing room. He didn't suffer fools gladly, that is for sure. Um, but he used to look after us. Like I say, what you see is what you get with Bumble. We had Martin Bicknell on last week, um, and uh, that was a really interesting chat and, and would have been a, uh, a dressing room mate of yours through that time, that period of uh, 93 to 2003 when he was playing. Um, a really, really interesting sort of time in English cricket, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I knew because before that, actually, because we'd grown up together playing like England schoolboys, myself, him, Michael Atherton, um, Mark Ramprakash, Graham Thorpe, Trevor Ward from Kent. So we knew each other growing up, um, obviously knew his brother as well, very well. Martin was a highly skillful bowler, very skillful bowler. Um, you know, the sort of bowler, if you're out of nick, there were certain bowlers in county cricket that if you're out of nick, you just did not want to see. And Bickers was one of those because he technically, he would expose you day in, day out. And I guess he would have played a bit more if it wasn't for the Fletcher era and the Fletcher regime. Duncan used to sit in a meeting and the first thing he used to say about any bowler we picked was what pace does he bowl? You know, Duncan wanted a, a side that had quick bowlers and had to bowl 85 mile an hour plus. So Bickers didn't quite fit into that category. But when he did play in the end, I think he did pretty well. So I think Bickers would have a probably a, a good argument to say that he should have played more for England. Talk about England. Um, two thirds of the way through uh, a very tough tour in India. Um, wh where do you think we are um, as, as a team? I know it's a big year with the Ashes and the T20 World Cup. Uh, and there's still a lot of cricket to go with our domestic summer. Do you think we're kind of on the pace of where we should be? Or are there, th are there still things to be looked at? There's always things to be looked at. But like when you're a player, the key is not to get too up or too down and stay fairly level. If you go back to, what, a month ago, and England win that first test match in Chennai, they'd won three or four series in a row. They'd won various tests away from home. They'd 
Test match cricket was on the way up with uh, Joe Root and Chris Silverwood. They were solving their problem of winning away from home. They'd just won in Sri Lanka. They'd won in South Africa before that. They'd beaten West Indies and Pakistan at home. They were, um, I think they still are, the number one 50 over and 20 over side in white ball cricket. Um, women's cricket, you know, they've been very successful at that. So... At that point, we were English cricket were, was on the right road. Now, since then, yes, things have gone pear-shaped. They've lost three test matches on the bounce in various conditions. They've just lost a T20 series. And the whole rotation, rest, COVID has come under the microscope. But I think English cricket, sometimes it's not until you go away and work with overseas broadcasters and travel the world that you actually realise that English cricket is held in high esteem around the world and people really are quite jealous of what we have. But as you say, that, that shouldn't ever take away from the fact that you're constantly trying to improve. And in certain conditions, we are not where we need to be. You know, and that was shown up in those three test matches when spin is involved. I thought fielding Owen was... Morgan. Uh, go on, Paul. Owen Morgan has, um, has said that he was hoping for more of a challenge um, I think in the last couple of T20 games, by which he means he wanted more of a challenging pitch. Um, it's an interesting, interesting point because I think he backs himself, despite the last couple of results, he backs the team to chase down pretty much any score, but he wanted more of a more of a spinning pitch to be challenged on. Yeah, I think that also had to do with the fact that he doesn't want a one-dimensional side. He wants, you know, like we saw in the last World Cup, going into the 50-over World Cup, Everyone was talking about it's just going to be a, a run fest. You know, as people were talking about 450, maybe 500. And you actually look at that World Cup and the scores were low. Back to the normal sort of 250. I think the semi-final between India and New Zealand was around about that. The World Cup final itself was a low scoring affair. So what he doesn't want is a one-dimensional side that suddenly you come up on a sticky one. I think even Kolkata last time in that final with the rain, it wasn't an absolute belter. So what he's trying to produce, and it's typical Owen, he's trying to cover every base, that he wanted actually, thinking that he'd had five games in Ahmedabad, he wanted pitches that were a bit tired and a bit slow and stuck for the spinner. And in fact, if you look at it, the last couple of games and the last game in particular was an absolute belter. Um, but he would have learned a lot from those five games. There's still areas that England are vulnerable and need to you know, look at um, that middle order of left-handers coming in one after the other. David Milan in the power play, even though he, he, he improved that in the last game, the power play in India is absolutely vital because as you can see in that last game, when the wheels come off and the pace comes off, it's really difficult to get going again. So um, there, there's always areas. I think England would have learned a lot from those five games. And it's interesting because I think it was after the second T20, Dinesh Kartik um, on the commentary was saying, you know, what do we do about this win the toss, you win the game situation? And actually since then, it's gone the other way. It has. I mean, the trend has been in that direction. I think the PSL first 13 games was, you know, the sides, the sides chasing won, won the game. So you don't want, especially in this series, because that's where the World T20 final is going to be. You don't want such a massive, it's like a three-year plan, isn't it, to a World Cup final. And then you don't want just all eyes on the toss and say, oh, that's it. Um, our three-year planning's gone out the window. So I think it was a good lesson, even that, that for both sides, uh, yes, the toss is important, 
Um, and probably more important than the Test Series, where England won three of the four tosses and lost the series. Um, but I think, that, I think that you don't want that situation where it's win the toss, win a World Cup final. And those last two games in particular against the head showed that there is another way to win as long as you get a bit above par score in the first innings. It was interesting we focus on England, but India had to change their plan. Now, going into the series, I did some prep, and I would have never thought that India would have been hamstrung with, with having three of the great white ball players that ever played the game at the top of the order. I'm talking Rohit Sharma, K.R. Rahul, and Virat Kohli. And yet, they felt they needed to change that and get the young guns of Ishan Kishan and Surya Kumar Yadav in because they felt they do need to occasionally get above par to win games. So it, it just shows that all teams are trying to evolve and trying to be ahead of the curve. What was interesting Surya Kumar Yadav announced himself literally on ball one, didn't he? Yeah. He did. I mean, these, these young Indian batsmen, I think I saw a stat, though. It just shows um, how difficult a side it is to get to. As far as batting goes... Yadav and uh, Ishan Kishan, for three years, they've not had a debutant in, in their international T20 side because of those great names. I've not even mentioned Shikadawan and guys like that. Um, so it's a very difficult side to get into. And anyone that's ever been to India and watched Indian cricket, and I've been to those Maidans of Mumbai and done features for Sky, if you stand still in India, especially in cricketing terms, there will be thousands <laughs> Millions that just go past you because they'll just say, sorry, it's my turn. So when you get your chance, is my point, you better take it because those chances don't come along. And it shows, it just amazes me. Some people like me, that would put under pressure. I've waited all this time. He's 30, Surya Kumar Yadav. I've waited all this time. I better not mess up. But actually, these young Indians, or youngish Indian in his case, see it differently. I've waited all this time. I'm going to smash my first ball that Archer bowls me over fine leg for six. <laughs> How do we engender that in English cricket, do you think? I think, in, uh, I think in the white ball side, I think Morgan's done that pretty well, actually. I think he's got this no-fear cricket. I remember doing an interview with him at the Aegeus Bowl, and we had Michael Holding and Ian Smith. They were obviously playing New Zealand, and they'd been bowled out in 40-odd overs, and Michael Holding and Ian Smith you know, were talking upstairs you know, 50 over cricket, make sure you use the overs, but basic rule. So I put that at the presentation to Owen Morgan and he went, no, I'm not worried at all. This is what I want. Occasionally we'll get it wrong, but I want us to go out and play no fear. I don't want, again, you know, we've had years in our white ball cricket of knocking people for playing shots and, you know, whether it be Kevin Peterson or whatever, the, the moment, the slum dog millionaire moment or the dumb slog millionaire moment that... Um, uh, Bob Willis called it, that would slog it up in the air and you'd get nailed for it. Um, I think in test match cricket, there is still a bit of fear, but unfortunately, in the conditions we play, Darren, it, it is tricky to bat. So it is a little bit, you have to survive. You know, you look at our greatest player and my Essex bias coming out here in <laughs> Alistair Cook, you know, he, he, his, was, his was about batting time and patience and overcoming that new ball. So with the cricket, the style of test match cricket we play, there has to be a bit of grit and determination as well. Talking of debuts, um, they don't come much tougher than your personal debut at Sabina Park in 1990. Um, what are your memories of uh, striding out there that day? 
absolutely surreal. I mean, I was lucky, obviously, because Graham was there, Gucci, you know. I remember we are, it just shows that I think we we're, I don't know if those hotels are still around anymore. The Trust House 40 or hotel <laughs> in Leicester. We were playing at Leicester and Gucci tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, Nas, you know, um, you're coming to the Caribbean with me. And I was like, oh, yeah, Graham, we get on really well, mate, but I don't really want to go on holiday at the Caribbean with you. <laughs> no, no, you've been selected to play for England. I've just literally come out of Durham University. It was my first full season with Essex. There was the whole um, Rebel Tour thing going on. So England were losing half their players because of Rebel Tours. They were being smashed again by Australia. And then suddenly I'm at Sabina Park and I'm sat there and I look to my right and there's Viv Richards and I look to my left and there's Malcolm Marshall and I'm going out to bat and I've got Patrick Patterson at the end of his mark. And I remember four years earlier, Patrick Patterson had smacked on that ground. You remember the famous Mike Gatting when he walked through Heathrow Airport or whatever, and the, the interviewer said, where did that ball hit you? And Gat's nose was like two <laughs> inches away from where it should be, and he had two black eyes. And that's all I could remember. With my beak, I thought, oh, my God, that's a massive, tar that's a massive target for Patrick Patterson. And, and, the, and the, the surface was unreal. It wasn't Colchester or Ilford or Chelmsford <laughs> or Southend. It had a shine to it. And I remember thinking, shall I wear spikes? Because those spikes are going to slip on that surface. And I thought, if I wear my tackies, my trainers, and I slip, Gucci will give me the biggest rollicking of all time. So I wore spikes, and I was so worried about slipping all over the place. And Pato, Patrick Patterson bounced me first ball. And I think boycott on commentary went something like, welcome to test cricket, young man. <laughs> or, um, and, I, in, 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 and it's a long story, but even before that, we went with me and Gucci, drove up to Headingley every week to, to uh, train with Jeffrey Boycott. And he had these young lads bowling off 15 yards, just bouncing us every single ball. And actually, that practice was so difficult that facing Patrick Patterson, Malcolm Marshall, Kirtley Ambrose, Ian Bishop, Ian Bishop actually got me out for 13. Um, that actually was harder than anything I faced in that series uh, and the, because the pitches were so good in Test Match Cricket out there. Was there a story about Lammy being at the other end as you arrived at the crease and uh, leaning on his back, chewing his gum? Yeah, I... That was the other thing about playing in that side. I literally, we had some young guns, and I think Sky did this promo, which they showed last year, actually. The young guns are going to roar. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. Thanks a lot. We're really going to roar. Viv Richards, Gordon Greenwich, Desmond Ames. <laughs> but actually, also, you turn up in the dressing room, and you just literally look around, and they're your childhood heroes. You're actually playing. I'm 21. You know, I'm just out of Durham Uni. I've watched Lammy smash the West Indies everywhere in his career. You've got Robin Smith there, Gladstone Small, Angus Fraser, Alex Stewart was making his debut with me. I was also, the other thing, I was taking over from David Gower, my childhood hero, um, who I had a picture of in, in my wall at university. And there I was replacing David Gower, one of the greatest ever players, um, and Lammy at the other end sort of looking at me going, oh, God, we've called this bloke up instead of Gower. <laughs> great, great choice, um, Gucci, but... It was a great series. It was so much fun. If Gucci hadn't broken his hand in what was what the third, third, fourth, third test match, um, I think we might have won that series. Yeah, that was that was quite a horrible moment, wasn't it? There's a famous yeah. photograph, isn't there? Yeah, Laurie Brown, our physio, um, 
you know, Ezra Mosley had just hit Gucci on the hand and Laurie Brown almost saying, does this hurt, Gray? And anyone who knows Graham Gooch knows that Graham Gooch never shows any pain ever. Even when dopey old Don Topley was walking around the Essex dressing room <laughs> with his bowling boots on and Gucci was sitting there uh, with nothing on and Toppers would always tread on his toes with his <laughs> brand new spikes on. Even then, Gucci might let out an expletive, but he wouldn't show any pain. But when we saw the look on Gucci's face of um, Laurie Brown pressing his hand and Gucci's face, we knew that was the last we'd see of Gucci in that series. <laughs> now, many you had a few was... hand injuries yourself as well. Yeah, Papa Dom fingers as uh, Derek, <laughs> Derek, Derek Pringle, as is his way. He used to have some great sayings in the dressing room. He, he called me Papa Dom fingers. Um, every time I got hit on either in the field or batting, they used to just snap, really. You should just be like, I didn't even need to go. I know every x-ray department around every cricket ground in world cricket, go for an x-ray six weeks out. It was just <laughs> brittle bones for some reason. And I tried everything. Alex Stewart had that claw he used to have on his gloves. I tried that. I felt uncomfortable in that. Um, tried some inserts in my gloves. You know, for me, it was always a balance between being comfortable and protecting yourself. I always preferred to be comfortable at the crease and not worry about... I never felt worried about being hit or anything, but I worried about missing games. Many of our listeners might not know, um, but, I mean, your love and involvement of cricket goes from the very top with England and whatever else all the way down. And Webby and I both see you quite often um, stood at a boundary fence um, watching club cricket and you're a, a coach at Newhall School. Just curious just to get your views on the state of young cricket and what you see firsthand, both at school and, and, uh, and, and at club level. Well, first of all, I, I love it because, you know, it is the two ends. So you can be at a World Cup game commentating on the Stokes catch or, you know, a World Cup final. The next day you're in at school um, or at Hutton walking around the boundary watching my daughter or son play. Um, and, you know, the kids are just loving it. They're just loving the fact that, that it's their turn and they don't overcomplicate things. Uh, they're just very simple. They just enjoy. I think we forget that. We try and filter down from the top all the theories and technique. And um, when actually at a younger level, they're like sponges and they just love playing the game. Uh, and I'm of a belief that you just give them a bat and a ball and let them practice and not too much theories. You know, the thousand balls or whatever it is, a million balls. Now probably catch a million, bowl a million, uh, hit a million. So... Um, I absolutely love my time at Newhall. Um, those kids, boys and girls, just have fun. It's the full spectrum there. It is, you know, cricket for all. But also we, as you know, uh, both of you, we've produced some decent cricketers there. There's a lad called Sean Sullivan, who's now up at Leeds Uni, who's a very good cricketer. And obviously Nathan Kellowan, who's an excellent cricketer, who I think is at Billericay at the moment. He might have moved yeah, on. There's always a few pound signs in county cricket going around. So Don't you um, worry, he's a bit of a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's a very good cricketer. Um, Ronnie McKenna, um, who's at, uh, is he still at Wickford? Yeah, he, well, for now. For now, very good keeper, <laughs> keeper batsman, excellent young keeper batsman. So there's a few out there. And I just, I get a bit tense when Newhall have their big games, county cup games and national cup games. And I start kicking flags and still thinking I'm England captain and trying to send out signals to our spinners about bowling it 
outside off stump and um, getting on the boundary where they should be. Um, but I love it really. And club cricket is of the highest standard. You know, I'll, I'll go and watch my son or daughter play and then I'll look over to the first team um, and, you know, the other, the other year I was watching Hutton against, it might have been Whitford or something. And, and, you know, the talent that's in club cricket is phenomenal, really. It is. Um, and, um, you know, it's, a, it's of the highest standard. And, um, you know, Essex club cricket in particular, I think, is, I think it's, it's well-organised. Even last year with COVID, they managed to get as much cricket on as possible. Um, it's in a difficult place financially, obviously, um, but I think club cricket in Essex is still very, very strong. And all in my era, it was taken so seriously. You know, we had to play. I had to move from Clay Hall to Ilford um, because Essex wanted me, whether it's right or wrong. But you needed to play in strong in a strong club side, and your club scores were looked at if you if you wanted to, you know, move on to professional cricket. We had, uh, we had Nick Knight on the on the show a few weeks back, um, and Nick played. Nick, this similar situation. Nick was asked to play for Brentwood. Um, I think we established it was sort of 92, 93, that kind of time. Um, and at the time, it was head and shoulders above everyone else. You know, you knew that he was going to be something special. Um, but yes, yeah, a strong league. It is, and those those sides around there, Brentwood have always been a very very strong side. Um, you know, and also some of the schools in that area, Shenfield. High school do a very good job with their um, boys and girls cricket. Um, so it's a combination. I, you know, I get a bit, and I, I get a bit cross with private schools and everyone saying private schools, private schools. You know, what 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 private schools do is that they go and offer scholarships to young talented cricketers, um, and you know, try and do everything possible to promote those cricketers and produce cricketers um, for county cricket. It's not the be all and end all. I think we've got to remember that as well it is not you know it's not all about playing for Essex there is a great fun and satisfaction about being a very very good club cricketer a great fun and satisfaction about being a very very good schoolboy girl cricketer even quick cricket when I see you know under 11s at Newhall playing the quick cricket county finals indoors or outdoors there's a lot of fun in that sometimes we forget because we all either watch or work at the highest level that it can, it, it's just a sport. It's a fun sport that people really enjoy. It's, it's not all about um, being a professional. Just, look, just before you go, I know you've got to shoot off pretty soon, but your Twitter bio says Arsenal supporter. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Leeds uh, and Fulham the other day? <laughs> you've, done, you've done your research, haven't you? <laughs> uh, I, I, am, I am still a massive fan of Leeds. I've always been a fan of Leeds. It's a long story, this actually. In that I when I when I was growing up in Ilford, my my brother was an Arsenal fan. Um, and I used to go to Highbury and watch Arsenal with him. But then I moved up to Durham, obviously Durham Uni for three years. And all around there was and I've always been a fan of Leeds and the way they played from the Bremner years, etc. And they had, you know, Sunderland, Newcastle, Middlesbrough, obviously Leeds. And so from your, you know, I used to go, I used to go and watch. So, um, but then when you move back down south and Arsenal were playing the sort of football that they were playing 
Um, I went back to being an Arsenal fan. You, you're going to edit this bit out, aren't you, Darren? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, seriously, I, I might edit myself out of being an Arsenal. I, I sat there 3-0 down at half-time yesterday or whatever it was, 3-0 after half an hour, and it was an absolute disgrace. I was chucking things at the telly, and then the second half against West Ham, they get it back to 3 all. It's not easy being an Arsenal fan, mate. Well, where is West Ham and I'm Paris. So. West Ham fan, I wasn't remotely comfortable even at 3-0. <laughs> and I'm Palace, so uh, yeah. Yeah, less said the better. <laughs> um, all right, very, very last question. Um, music is a big part of this show. We always ask people um, for a musical request, which I'll get off you afterwards. But I was just interested, you said, you said to yourself, in your, in your, I've read your autobiography, um, about being down. Get out more, Darren. <laughs> well, Paul Newman told me I had to. Um, <laughs> you, you class yourself as being down with the kids uh, musically, and uh, you've got. When past... did I say that? Yeah, you did. You've got Butcher. Butcher was the man texting me the other day um, saying, Go on, go on that show. I am not going to compete anywhere near. Mark Butcher, seriously. I mean, now you're talking musical talent and, you know, he, he is my absolute go-to man on music. So uh, I am definitely not down with the kids, as I'll probably say when I give you my musical choice. You, you built that Wonderwall, apparently, according to Bumble. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that was another thing, Bumble. Bumble, you know, nowadays, after this really good thing the other day on Sky about grids and... How, how every cricketer knows where his strength and weakness and Stuart Broad was telling us about how on a, on a screen he can literally get up every single player he's bowled to and he's faced. And all Bumble did was give us a video of us getting runs and asked us to put some kind of cheesy song. You know, <laughs> like I think Nighty did uh, and, and then a hero comes along or something like that. And we had to play that to the whole team. That was Bumble trying to build us up. So... I think Bumble got me to do Wonderwall at Oasis. Every time we won a game, we did Oasis. When we won in Karachi, we did that stupid song. Why we did that song, Who Let the Dogs Out? I do not know why we were in a huddle in Karachi in the dressing room shouting, Who Let the Dogs Out? So we, we have some, we have some dodgy, dodgy musical trends in, in an England dressing room. I'll let you off. That was quite a night that, that time in Karachi. I'll, I'll never forget that. I was watching that in a pub in Paris. <laughs> it was an amazing, it was an amazing uh, game of cricket. That really, it was some good, some good memories that winter. Yeah, excellent. Well, I know you've got to get shoot off, so um, we'll uh, we'll end it there. But uh, really, really enjoyed talking to you, NASA. That's all right. Anytime. The, the show's great. I've been listening. Um, like I said, Essex cricket. Um, we haven't even mentioned the first team where we just win everything nowadays: county championships, T twenties. You know, Essex cricket is very strong uh, and it's, it's down to guys like you. You know, the, 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 the grassroots cricket at Billericay, Brentwood, all those clubs, Wickford that I've mentioned, Ilford. You know, we, we keep producing that. A little cricket school in Ilford, if I can give them a plug that my dad... Oh, went there. Beehive Lane. Um, you know, we're very lucky uh, in Essex. We, we've produced some decent cricketers over the years and long may it continue. Excellent. All right, Nasser. Um... Absolutely fantastic. We're thrilled to have had you on. And um, yeah, keep listening and tell your friends. Cheers, guys. <laughs>